Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome one and all to episode 25 of the Mike and Mo Show. Proudly presented by Derek Rose's new number, coming at you this fall from the garden. I am always Mike Calandrillo. He is Maurice Bigfoot Moten. That's a brand new nickname I'm trying out, so we'll see how that works. But we got a lot. Not stick. It's not going to stick. Probably not. We got a lot going on. Um, the trade deadline in Major League Baseball just past us we will talk about the notable trades there were a lot of trades in general however there were you know a couple of notables uh training camp in the nfl is fastly approached it is here it is going on things are going wild in los angeles we'll talk about jeff fisher and his dementia um we'll also talk a little bit of the olympics happening tomorrow opening ceremonies zika virus going wild uh and we'll talk about you know everybody's favorite team in oklahoma city but let's kick it off mo welcome how are things and um have you missed me uh didn't miss you that much and by the way people i'm a size nine so that that nickname is definitely not gonna stick baby foot uh (laughs) i've been keeping up with the uh kevin durant versus russell westbrook news and Here's something that grinds my gears, okay, people? Pull up a chair and listen for mm-hmm. a second, right? Everyone is drumming up this Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook beef as they're supposed to be feuding. They just had an eight-year relationship, and Durant said, you know what, it's, it's not you, it's me. I need to move on to greener pastures and, and do better with my life and think about what I need to do with my future. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I, we said this, or I said this in previous podcast episodes, I don't feel a problem with this, but people insist... With these stupid Arthur memes on drumming up this beat that's supposed to be that's not really there because if you heard or if you read Westbrook's statement today, he actually said, "Hey, we've been together for eight years. You just don't throw that away. We'll talk eventually." And, and when KD was asked about Westbrook's contract, which we'll go into later, he said, eh, "That's a touchy subject, but I, I will eventually congratulate him." So that's a good sign that these two players aren't feuding. Uh, obviously, people like to see drama. That's why reality TV is so popular. We like to see beef between two people. And I don't think we're going to get that from Kevin Durant and Westbrook as far as social media is concerned. They're not the types to go back and forth on Twitter about what they're going to do in court. They're going to play it out, and they're going to play hard against each other, and we can expect that. But with Kevin Durant, what he chose to do is work smart, not hard. Westbrook is the hard worker, and on face surface, we say, yeah, we appreciate those who work hard. Last first one in, last one out. We appreciate that. And and the other person who kind of takes a shortcut, oh, they're you know they're slackers. They're not really hard workers. But I'm here to tell you, working smart is not lazy. Sometimes working too hard can be to your detriment. If you remember, Allen Iverson played for the 76ers. Yes, he went on to Denver and Detroit, but he played most of his, of his career with Philly, and he was the one man army on that team. Now, people say, yeah, I love Iverson. I, you know, Iverson's one of the greatest. But if let's compare Allen Iverson to Kobe Bryant. Mike, would you say who had the better career, Iverson or Kobe Bryant? Uh, Kobe who Bryant. Who would you say, like, better player? I mean, better player. Uh, I, I'd still go with Kobe, the Black Mamba. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay, let's go with Reggie Miller and Ray Allen. Better player. Ooh, that's uh, Reggie Miller? 
Reggie, really? I'm surprised. Yeah, okay. Should be. Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, better player. Oh, uh, Patrick Ewing. Okay, so you're you're part of the 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 crew with the with the brain. Okay, <laughs> Thank you're you. actually pretty smart. That's why I picked you as a co-host. Totally. But uh, <laughs> most people would say, oh, Ray Allen has a better career than Reggie Miller. Most people, some people would say, oh. Alonzo Mourning was just as good as Patrick Ewing. I don't see it as a close competition. No. Even when you compare Charles Barkley to Curtis Bosch, they would say, oh, that's close. And I'm here to tell you that Ewing was way better than Mourning. I agree with Mike. Reggie Miller way better than Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. Charles Barkley better player than Chris Bosch. But they don't have the ring. So most people don't identify and say, well, I don't think they're that good because they didn't win anything. So, it, so as fans, it's all about winning. It's all about championships. Because people don't put Iverson on that Mount Rushmore. I guarantee you if Iverson wins two to three championships in Philly, we look at him totally different. We look at him in a Kobe Bryant type of aura in that league. We don't see them in the same league. Most people don't. Why? Because of the championships. So Kevin Durant goes to Golden State. And let's say that he wins two or three championships. We're not good. We're gonna yes, we're gonna remember him being on OKC, but we'll still say Kevin Durant was one of the greatest. If he if he wins two to three championships, all of this talk about Oh, he left for a good team, blah, blah, blah. That's all going to be thrown by the wayside. If, if Westbrook does not win anything, he'll be in the same category with Allen Iverson. Tough guy, all this heart, he'll take it on by himself, but he's not in that Mount Rushmore. He's not in that top tier level because he didn't win anything. So when it comes to Kevin Durant, he's thinking about his future. He's thinking about his legacy as an NBA player. He wants to be one of the best. So what do you got to do? Work smart. Not hard. Don't be Westbrook and say, I can do it all by myself. I can do it all by myself because it's still a team game. Durant understands this. He'll go to a team, take less shots, take less money, be less of a star, be second rate to maybe Stephen Curry in some cases because Steph Curry was already there. But he's going to work smart, not hard. And that's my message to you people. When you're at work, you know, it's okay to bust your butt sometimes. Sometimes you do have to work hard. I'm not saying not to work hard. But I'm saying if you if you have a, a coworker, a teammate, a partner, a co-host, then you have to do about 50% of the work. You don't have to do 100% of it and still get good, result, good results or even better results. So I'm up here talking right now by myself, but I have a co-host here. So I don't have to talk to you guys for two hours, for an hour and a half. I have a co-host who's just as smart as me in sports, mm-hmm. can share his opinions. Better looking. And share with you guys. And it's and it's a great show, right? Totally. I could do it for myself, but I choose not to. Because me, like Kevin Durant, I'm working smart, not hard. There you go, Mike. That, that's all I'm saying. I love it. Remember what Wayne Gretzky said. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That doesn't have anything to do with what Mo just said. But it's really cool. <laughs> it's a really cool saying. So with that being said... That is the cold open. We will be right back with Open Mic. Open Mic. Now we're going to keep the conversation going with Russell Westbrook. Um, Mo, I mean, honestly, this probably wouldn't have happened or wouldn't have been a big deal or he probably just wouldn't have re-signed right now had they beaten Golden State and gone on to the finals. Am, am I am I correct? I don't know. It, really? I think well, if let's say they do, let's say they go on to the finals and they beat LeBron James and the Cavs. I think they all stay. I think even if they yeah. don't beat LeBron James and the Cavs, then they then they both stay. I should say. But now Westbrook is thinking. You know what? 
this is my team now. I don't have to share the ball with Kevin Durant. I don't have to share the ball with anybody. I can go for a triple-double every night. So for you fantasy owners who are going to play NBA Fantasy this year, and I will be playing, uh, Russell Westbrook is probably at the top of your list, and I will probably grab him with the first, within the first couple of picks. But anyway, uh, unless he gets injured, he's going to be the top guy as far as statistics are concerned. He understands this. He knows this is his team now. I'm sure Sam Presti came up to him and said, look, KD's gone. It's all yours now. You have no one in your ear telling you you have to pass the ball. No one telling you you're too too selfish with basketball. You can do, you can score, you can pass, rebound, you can do whatever you want. It's your team. You're clearly the best player on it. And Westbrook said, "I'll take this for at least two more years because he can become an unrestricted free agent in 2018, and he can make a different decision because he'll be a 10-year max player, I believe. So for right now, for the next two years, he's going to run OKC and he's going to get all the star power there. And I think for him, he likes that idea." Absolutely. And it's funny because, you know, everybody's trying to build a mountain out of a molehill and they're trying to pit each guy against mm-hmm. one another. And, and you know, Russ came out and said it today and he said, you know, we, we were teammates for eight years speaking about KD and he's not willing to, to just throw that away. And and that's, you know, that's, that's great. I mean, it, it should mean something that you were teammates, you came up in this league together, you you I mean, you were equally great because of one another. So it'll be interesting to see just how how great Russ still is on his own. And we do expect him to, you know, hopefully take over that killer moniker that that Kobe Bryant, you know, has left, you know, in the NBA up for grabs. And, you know, even he said that he feels that that Russ is is the next guy to to take that crown because of just his demeanor and his the way he plays. And he just goes out and he just looks to looks to dominate. And that's that's great. But I just I don't I know he did it because he wants to be loyal and that's great. But like you said in the last segment, if he doesn't do anything in the next three years and by do anything, I mean win a championship because Allen Iverson went to the finals as well and lost. If he goes to the finals and doesn't win or never gets to a finals, he's now. 2930. Yes, he just got 85 million dollars and it could be more because of that floor to ceiling thing that's going on in the NBA how, you know, you got money, you got to spend it or you give it to your best players. But did is it lost in translation? If for some reason he doesn't win and now he's 30 and yes, he'll get another nice fat contract probably for another 3 or 4 years, but the best years of his career are now. So is he better served spending them in in Oklahoma, where he's been, and they're, they'll be able to add a max player potentially next offseason, and they got Oladipo, and they've got Steven Adams, and they got a couple other players. Was he better served staying there, or was he better served taking his talents uh, somewhere else next year? He, he tell, Okay, I'll, I'll say this. He should have either went to Miami or Boston. If I'm him, and like you said, he's in the prime of his career, and he's at the peak right now, you either go to Pat Riley, who knows how to build a team around the st- He's done it for the past, I don't know how long, decade or more. Or you go to Boston, a team that that finished, I believe, fourth in the East last year. And and you can go there and, again, you're under a good head coach who knows how to use his talent. Got parts there. Al Horford is there. And and you build build there. OKC is going to be a playoff team. But remember, the Western Conference is going to be a lot weaker than the East in the coming years. So he'll make the playoffs, but they're not passing Golden State. They're they're not even better than the Clippers. I don't even think they're better than the Spurs without KD. Mm-hmm. With just Westbrook, we've seen it before. And, I, and as you said, I said this in the, in the opening segment, in the cold opening. We've seen this with Allen Iverson. A one-man band just cannot do it, especially in this climate, in this NBA climate, where there are super teams and two, three players grouped together. 
one man, no matter how determined, no matter how nasty he is at the rim, is not going to get the job done. And don't talk to me about Enos Cantor and Victor Oladipo and Robertson and those guys. They're good pieces, but it doesn't measure up to what KD brought to the court. And that's outside shooting. As you know, three-point shooting is the thing now in the league. And Westbrook is not a consistent three-point shooter. On some nights, he will go cold from the outside. He's more of an inside player, kind of like a Wade, where he'll drive, take a mid-range jumper, and hit those. But he's not a three-point shooter, and that's going to hurt the Thunder next year. And the one stat that I want everyone to really listen to is is if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're, you're ecstatic about this. If you're a Memphis Grizzly fan, you've got to be scratching your head. Over the next two years, Mike Conley is making the exact same money as that of Russell Westbrook. $26.5 million this coming year, followed by a 7.5% raise of 28.5 the following season. Are you kidding me? These two guys aren't even in the same conversation when it comes to who would you want on your team. Conley's a great player, and we, you know if you follow this show that I was all about him potentially mm-hmm. becoming a Nick earlier this year. But uh-huh. Uh-huh, no way could you, should you, pay these guys the same exact money it's 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 highway robbery it's treasonous there's so many other large words that i would like to use but i just i you don't have to because it's crazy it's downright crazy but good for both of these guys yeah i mean when they compare salaries i know we're going off topic here but they compare mike conley's salary to andrew luck and he's making i believe more money than luck <laughs> who gets his head beat in every week mm-hmm. on a sunday and it that goes to show you what the NBA is about. It's about getting that money, and that's why Derrick Rose said, hey, I'm going to put my best effort in this year as a Nick because I want to get paid. And now people want to say, oh, he's doing it for the Knicks. No, he's not. <laughs> let's be, uh, let's be, uh, let's keep it 100. He's doing it for his future, for sure. his son. That's what he's doing it for. He spoke, again, he spoke about this in 2015. He's like, you see all the money the NBA is passing out? Look, you just said Mike Conley. We know Mike Conley is a good player, but he's not worth that much money. No. And and players are you know credit to them they're they're in the right industry we're we're obviously in the wrong industry because we're here talking <laughs> and no one's paying us twenty five million a year so yep good for them <laughs> absolutely all right let's stick with our um, our usual knucklehead segment of the week and we're gonna keep it in the NBA and we're gonna talk about Draymond and his Drayzilla and the Black Dragon uh, all those things referring to his member. Um, I, I don't really know what to make of this. Luckily, I didn't see the video. I don't care to. Um, but, I mean, really, do we do we need to have an idiot button on a phone that asks you before you post something and says, are you sure, idiot? Do you really want to post this to a certain social media channel? Because, I mean, you, first of all, you did it. Second of all, you lied about it and said that you were hacked. And third, then you came out and said, no, I just mistakenly posted a picture of my penis. So... I mean, what is wrong with Draymond? And then, you know, everybody, Draymond, oh, he's so, I can't catch a break. Everybody's against me. No, you're just really not really very bright right now. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He just continues to put up L's. And you can't feel sorry for this guy. And I loved it. I saw the clip of uh, Team USA basketball totally, totally making fun of him while he was getting interviewed the other day, the day after this happened. You know, uh, Boogie Cousins was shooting free throws. taking a, a fake camera and shooting his junk. So, I mean, it's great. I mean, they're, they're, having a, they're having a little bit of a lighthearted time with it. But what do you do with a guy like this who, yes, he is super important to Team USA and also more important to the Golden State Warriors in the coming years, but such a young guy and such a knucklehead, how do you get him on the right track or you just figure, let's just, whatever happens, happens, we'll get what we can out of him? 
I don't think there is you can't rein a guy like this in and he's reaching Dennis Rodman levels. I hate to say it, but he, he I don't mean like dressing up and dragging a wedding dress. Yeah. Dennis Rodman, but he is reaching knucklehead Dennis Rodman levels in his prime. I mean, get suspended for a game for kicking people in the nads. Or then, then, then you're out here punching college kids in the face. Then you take you're taking snapshots of your junk and posting it by accident. Quick thing about these kids, because we made fun of old people for you know being slow with technology. We got younger people now making a lot of mistakes with Snapchat. First, it was yeah. D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. That was Draymond Green, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other athletes out here who don't know how to work Snapchat. I have a friend that says Snapchat is confusing. I'm not on Snapchat. <laughs> it's really not. It's not. You're on Snapchat, Mike? Um, oh, my goodness. Well, I, I mean, I don't post regularly because I don't see the value in... Please don't. No, let me say... I don't want to, you know, I... see something I don't want to see. <laughs> I'll direct message you that anytime. Don't worry. No, but I, the problem is, is that I, with Snapchat, it's gone after after you view it, it's gone. I know there's new filter and new things to do that you can, you can keep it on your phone, blah blah blah. But I don't see the value in just sending someone something and it's gone, or posting something and it's gone forever. But I guess when you're sending pictures of your anatomy there is a certain purpose to that but it's really not that difficult um I, my fiance has it i have a lot of friends that i will watch their snaps i like watching celebrity snaps bleacher report has one they're fun they're good they're entertaining but um yeah i don't do it i don't i wouldn't advocate you to do it because you you know you're you're on your twitter you're you know you're barely on facebook instagram you we're gonna get you on that next so let's take one step at a time but uh yeah i just think all these guys should get like social media managers and we and the mike and mo show will will probably do it for you draymond we will control all your content we won't post stupid things and we will make you look uh, a little bit brighter in the eyes of many people because right now this is what you need sir um you you otherwise you we should just take away your cell phone because you you should be punished for your actions. Uh, sliding in DMs? Uh, <laughs> nope. Uh, good pictures of your family, maybe? Uh, nope. Yup. Okay. <laughs> Draymond Green needs to keep it simple, okay? Because uh, he's obviously trying to slide in someone's DMs. There's no other reason why you would take a picture of that part of your body and, and publish it. Yeah. But obviously, whoever was supposed to get that picture didn't get it. But uh, Draymond, please... Uh, Learn some Snapchat, maybe get some social media lessons, as Mike said. Quick note, though, I listen. I am very active on Twitter. I am very active on Facebook. You are Instagram, eh? Not you yet. know, kind of iffy on that. But mm-hmm. Snapchat, I'm just seeing all of these snafus by these athletes, and I'm just afraid of Snapchat because not that I would take a picture of anything crazy, yeah. but if I don't know how to use it, I'm not gonna go in snapping photos all willy nilly. Okay, even though Draymond did get an offer from Vivid Entertainment. Steve Hirsch, who's probably the head porn director over there, yeah, but do a scene for a 10K, and he could pick his own co-stars, which sounds like a great thing for him. What's 10K? But, uh, what's that? What? How much? What is 10K to a guy like Draymond Green? Like, really, 10K? That, you got you got a good point, but maybe Draymond Green is gonna be in tough negotiating with uh, his team over all his uh, transgressions, and he may need that 10K sooner maybe. or later because, as you know, NBA players if they go broke at certain times, if they don't manage their money, and Draymond can't manage his Snapchat. I have questions about him managing his bank account. Uh, he'll be calling Vivid with the... Hey, I used, to, I used to live like a block away from Vivid uh, Entertainment at, back in the day in Los Angeles. You've seen some characters coming out of that building, ladies and gentlemen. Woo. So you were... 
connected sort of to Vivid Entertainment. Have you, do you know Steve Hirsch? Uh, no, I don't. But when you live in a building that is next, basically next door to this building and your people that live in your building work for that um, company, you see a lot in, at the gym, at the pool, doing laundry. I mean, hey, I, I was young. I didn't mind. Uh, it's a different way of life. But So maybe Draymond should move to L.A. in the offseason. You you were young, Mike. That was probably you were in LA what two years ago? Uh, not even. Well, it was when I first got to LA. It was like two thousand ten ish, two thousand nine. Yeah, I mean, I was young, impressionable. You know, ready to take on the world. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go from young to old. Yes. Derek Fisher posted a, a video on Facebook, and basically he said, "I'm not done yet. Back in the lab." So he's basically inferring that, or insinuating that he would come back to the league as a player, not a coach, no. as a player, which I think is ridiculous because Derek Fisher will turn 42 in August. What NBA team is gonna want to sign him? Yes, he has the NBA record uh, career playoff wins and playoff games, but he's 40. He's gonna be 42. No one's going to take a 42-year-old Derek Fisher, especially after what happened when he was coach. Can't be. You can't be closing up to people's ex-wives and expect players to accept you in a locker room, whether you're a player or a coach. It's just not going to happen. Maybe he can go and play in Israel with, with Amari Stoudemire, who yeah. he coached like you know, that. before Amari left. Mm-hmm. That could work out, but mm-hmm. not in the NBA. Just not going to happen. Yeah, just just stop, Derek. I mean, you don't need to be in the news right now. Just go go hang out, do something else. I mean, you probably you, at one time you were a very bright, bright young um, basketball mind. People wanted you to be their coach. I'm sure you can get an analyst gig anywhere that you might want, an assistant coach. Uh, you know, you look like you probably at one time could have played for the Spurs. Maybe it's just you look like an old man now. I don't know. But regardless, there's plenty of opportunities for Derek Fisher if he wants them. I just don't think player should be one of them. But again, who knows with the way the NBA is. Maybe he'll sign a 10-day contract and um, he'll light it up because if Jason Terry is still trying to play, I guess Derek Fisher thinks he can play as well. Well, well, I mean, Ray Allen is trying to make a comeback. So oh, I guess if Ray Allen gets stop. on with Golden State, Fish can get on with Cleveland, and we can have like a old man bout, you know, one on one or something yeah, like that. I, do I don't it. know what they could do with that, but uh, let's do it. Yeah, if Fish gets back in NBA, I just want to see him on the same court with Mark with Matt Barnes. Ooh, I want to see how that. Okay, okay. How that goes. Where is he, where is Matt Barnes now? Did he sign with somebody this offseason? Sacramento Kings. Which is, no. Why? Why? He really just wanted the paycheck, clearly. Yeah, he basically, he just signed and said, hey, just, you know, give me a paycheck. I'll play a couple of minutes for your trash team, and you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere, so the match made in heaven. Yeah. It really is. Well, it, it is almost Olympic time, and yes, they did technically start yesterday. Uh, soccer's going on, women's soccer, men's soccer was a little bit today, so it's kind of weird to me that Olympics, uh, the games, the competitions start before we actually do the whole shebang of, you know, the entering of the nations and the flags and, you know, the pageantry, but it is going on, but uh, if you're in the if you're in the U.S., more than likely, you're talking. We're talking dream team. You know, whatever, whatever uh, dream team number this is, five, six. Uh, you know, it, it's basketball. It's what we do. We're in it. We're a, we're a nation of hoops. I mean, we love it. We've got the best team in the world. Um, but you know, a little bit of a little bit of drama going on already because uh, it seems like the guys on the dream team decided to put their money together and uh, rent a yacht instead of staying at the Olympic Village. And you know, I get this to a certain extent. Millionaires, billionaires, when you put their dollars together, um, you know, they want to live in the lap, lap of luxury for, you know, for the month or however long it's going to be. And it's funny because um, Andrew Bogut, who plays for Australia, is with the Australian team in in the Olympic Village. And he was like uh, sewing a, 
uh, a cloth together. I don't know if it was for a blanket or he was sewing like a like a sheet for for his bathing time in the shower. It was really weird. And um, I mean, I get it. I look, they're 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 superstars. They're, they want to. They obviously want to win the gold. That's what they're there to do. So they feel they need to sleep well. Uh, when we're told that the bel- the beds are like six feet long, and most of these guys are well over that. Uh, so Mo, Mo, let me ask you though, if you if you were an NBA superstar, hypothetically, um, and they said, this is your one and only opportunity to go to the Olympics, represent your country. Would you, A, want to stay in the Olympic Village and kick it with all the other Michael Phelps, Usain Bolts of the world, and have a good time, because supposedly it's like sex parties 24-7, there's good times around to be had, or... Would you stay with your boys and go on the yacht and and live like a like a P Diddy video circa two thousand two? I'm definitely choosing the yacht. I definitely <laughs> got to do a P Diddy type of video shoot. I mean, yeah, I can kick it with you know those guys at any. If I'm there, right? Mm-hmm. I can I can you know chill those guys at any time. I'm I'm on the yacht. I, I want good food, maybe music. You know, little dancing on the yacht at night in the breeze. You know that that's that sounds like a good scene. But the bigger question is, would I go if it was in, if it was in Rio de Janeiro? Like mm. a lot of people are pulling out for the Zika thing, you know. I, I don't know if I would even go because I say, hey, if I if, why would I risk one year going to the Olympics and representing my country and possibly infecting my wife with with you know with the Zika virus? That that's a that's a huge thing. That's not something that you just gloss over. That could affect your family lineage. So. Um, a lot of people pulled out for that reason, and I understand why, especially if you plan on having a child in the near future. But I would think twice about just going to that area in particular. But, you know, NBA players, they want to do their thing. That's fine. Hope Solo said the whole Zika virus thing was overblown, but yet she was uh, pictures showed her with, like, a beekeeper suit on. Yeah. And I'm thinking, if, if it's that overblown, why don't you just go out there in your tank top and short shorts then? Yeah, and she was she was ridiculed harshly last night when they played New Zealand. Uh, U.S. women did win 3 nothing, but the fans were chanting, Zika! Zika! Oh, <laughs> that is so <laughs> pretty terrible, especially, you know, it, we're in Brazil. Hello, people. But, um, you know, if you're a fan and you're chanting it, you could also have it. Uh, but, yeah. you know, but getting back to the game at hand... I mean, is there any reason to think that even though we may not have the, the cream of the crop when it comes to NBA players, and we do have really, really good players, some great, is there any reason to think that we shouldn't hands down win the gold, especially after what we saw in these, uh, these pre-Olympic games where we just rolled over teams? Uh, no, no, no doubt. We're, we're going to take that competition very easily. But I guess if you look at France, Tony Parker, Rudy Gobert, Nicholas Batum, Boris Diaw, who's like 75 years old. Mm, 76. You know, there's some, NBA, there's some NBA players on that team, so they may have a chance, but it's not enough to handle what, what we have in the USA. But I saw your projected starting lineup, mm-hmm. and I, I have I have one qualm about about it. Okay. You have you have Kyle Lowry starting over Kyrie Irving. What is that? Why? I think that's more of a fatigue thing. I think Kyrie coming off the season he had just being phenomenal, uh, you know, and still super young guy. Kyle Lowry's got a little bit more time under, uh, you know, under his belt and in his legs, uh, you know, and I think Coach K may feel a little bit more comfortable. Obviously, he did coach Kyrie for that one year at Duke, but I don't think it's going to be like a 70-30 time split. It might be a 60-40 or 55-45 thing. I, I think they'll both 
both be uh, equal played. And I think when it comes down to crunch time, if you need someone to drive to the hole or, or pick and pop, it'll be Kyrie. I just think that Coach K has it. That's kind of his iota. He likes to put out those guys that, you know, have been there before, uh, you know. So I can see, you know, a starting five of Kyle Lowry, uh, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Carmelo, and DeMarcus. Now, you look at the team as a whole, not a ton of three-point shooting. It's really going to be put on the shoulders of Clay Thompson, um, Paul George, Kevin Durant, Carmelo. After that, it gets a little, it gets a little choppy. You know, you do have Demar Derozan who could get hot. Jimmy Butler, who you know is a defensive guy, plenty, plenty good from inside the three-point line. Harrison Barnes, who you know we're still looking for him uh, at this exact moment. Um, Draymond Green. Dre Zilla back at it, impregnating Brazilian women, and and DeAndre Jordan. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty there. This team is going to be very, very good. I have a question, though. Would this, would our second unit beat every other first unit that comes out there? Uh, I, w- I would say so. If you, if you look at the second unit, I guess you would have Kyrie, Butler, George, Draymond, and DeAndre Jordan. I would still say, I would say, yeah. I mean, they would have a tougher time because... Again, you may have a little problems with shooting because you're, you're taking out Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson, who are in the starting lineup. But yeah. I think with Draymond, you know, being him and not using Snapchat and putting triple doubles up, should be pretty good. And DeAndre Jordan as the rim protector, Kyrie can, you know, he play point guard. He's, he's more of a scorer, but he's gonna give you some. He's gonna give you some three point shots. Yeah. I, I, Demar Derozan, I know he's got some highlight dunks. You hate I've seen him. Some of them they you, are amazing. You hate Demar. But Demar, I just don't see Demar. DeRozan as a lead player, like I don't know, he, he bothers me. Getting paid like one. Part of this group. Yeah, but you know he signed that fat contract and he wanted to go because, as you know, there was plenty of guys that didn't want to go. And if he does anything like that crazy three sixty windmill dunk over that Chinese guy last week, it's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's true. But how awkward is that gonna be with Barnes and Durant like together? Like, are they gonna say, hey, you know? Barnes gonna address him like, yeah, you're you're my replacement. I know you're better than me, but uh, I signed a really good deal with Dallas, you know. And Kevin Durant's probably like, yeah, good for you. Barnes Barnes is not- Barnes is the Christian Leitner of this group. He will only get on the court at, in the fourth quarter up by thirty five. Um, you know, he's just to fill in. I mean, look, he's a fine player. He's probably better than seventy five percent of other starters or that the other countries are trying out there, but. Yeah, I mean, we're not. I, if we see a lot of Harrison Barnes, I'll be surprised. But who knows? Maybe Harrison Barnes lights it up like he used to do in North Carolina against Coach K and Duke. Who knows? And maybe this revitalizes him. I mean, I'm sure Mark Cuban would love love to see a little bit of confidence put into Barnes after he, you know, went missing in in the finals. But again, it'll be fun if we don't win gold. All these guys should stay on that cruise ship and just sail it away into you know Key Largo. They should you know because it would be anything less than a gold is is unacceptable. So, uh, no pressure, guys. Yeah, Mike's setting the bar for you. Gold or don't even come home. Come don't on. even come back to U.S. soil if you don't bring back gold. That's, for, that's Mike. I'd like to see you as, as a head coach. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll get you guys into shape. Four NBA finalists, eight 2016 All-Stars, and a, and a brand-new top-five player in the world. Oh, you know, and two guys that Drake calls his best friends. You, you, you guys better win it. I don't even care. I don't care what happens. You guys need to win it. Bring home the gold. Otherwise... 
Coach K, and this is his last go around, so I I don't see him. I don't see him. Uh, you know, choking on anything. I think I think this team will be fine. It'll be fun. I'm more excited to see what if Michael Phelps can win another gold. Uh, you know, if what we do in gymnastics, the ladies' gymnastics, yeah, I love the Olympics. It's only once, you know, once every four years or every two years, depending on if you throw the winner in it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be attending a little bit of a, uh, a pate tomorrow night, represent the U.S. You know, you know, it's just, I'm all about, I'm all about representing my country. I mean, I have fun with it. Uh, you know, I'm a very patriotic guy. I don't know about you, but for me, I, I like I like the fact that it only comes around once every four years, and these athletes should be celebrated uh, because how hard they work up to getting where they are. And, you know, we don't talk about swimming and gymnastics and uh, all these track and field. We don't talk about these sports the way we talk about the big four here in America or, you know, including soccer, the big five. So these guys deserve everything they get, and, you know, I wish them nothing but the best. I mean, yeah, good for them, but Mike, let's keep it on it. You, you are just out there for the party. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're not going to roll up to the party with an American flag draped around your shoulder. No, because that's that's actually, that's not cool. That if you, you know, you look at that and that's, uh, you know, that's one of those things like veterans do not care for people that wear the flag. Like my dad was in Vietnam, does not want to see me wearing an American flag t-shirt. And I'm cool with that. I get you far for this country. I'll, I'm down for whatever, but I will rep. I will wear a nice gray shirt with a flag on it tomorrow. And then, uh, you know, but it's in good taste. It's not like a full flag t-shirt, you know, keeping it real, right. keeping it 100. Mike is all about the party and, yeah, and the accolades and the glitzy lights. I mean, this LA. is this is a LA LA guy at its at its all, core. Every day, hey, my my nickname on the on the softball team is Hollywood, so I'm keeping it real. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh yeah, we you need to move on. Building momentum is next. We're gonna talk Jeff Fisher his shenanigans and DeAndre Hopkins his holdout, and also Mike is gonna give you, I guess, his grades on the MLB trade deadline. That's up next. It's now time. For building momentum. Hey Mo, I got a question for you. Go ahead, shoot. If, if you're the head coach of a of a brand new team, well not brand new, but a brand new team to a new city like Hollywood, and um and you you're you're a coach who probably should no longer be employed because how bad your team has been in a certain city called St. Louis. And you just had the first overall draft pick that you, you know. You spent, you paid him a lot of money. You drafted this kid first overall. He's a California kid, and you literally come out and tell the people of the media that a guy that used to go to the University of Houston is now your starting quarterback. Should you be slapped and or fired immediately? Uh, well, first of all, Jeff Fisher should have been fired long ago. Yeah. He hasn't had a season of you know, a record over 500 since the Tennessee Titans in 2008. So that's number one. Let's mm-hmm. just get out, out of the way first, okay? okay? Let's put that out there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Jeff Fisher, we've been through this road before with him. He, he's the king of smoke screens. Before the draft, let's rewind the clock. Before the draft, the Rams had the number one pick. Obviously, they traded up for it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And right before the draft, leading up to the day before, people were saying, well, Jeff Fish is undecided. He doesn't know if he's going to go with Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. He's not really sure. It could go up in the air. Could it be Wentz? And I'm just like, don't be boo-boo the fool here. We all know who Jeff Fish is going with. He's going with Jared Goff, and he does this a lot with the media. He plays these mind games. I don't know what I'm going to do. I may go this way. I may go that way. And I'm just like, Jeff Fisher, you're going 7-9, and nine, and you're going to start Goff because really? no one believes you're going to start Case Keenum, who I – probably doesn't even have five wins in a regular season. It's just not going to happen. You don't trade up all the way up for Jared Goff to sit him on the bench and let Case Keenum run out there 
and throw five interceptions in two weeks. Just doesn't happen. You get Jared Goff out there. He's your number one pick. Let him make his mistakes. Let him take his lumps because the quicker he gets out there, the faster he'll learn. I think he'll be pretty good. I mean, not good, but for a rookie, he, he will make less mistakes with a strong run game to lean on with, with Todd Gurley behind him. But if you throw Case Keenum out there, you let him stink it up, and you're going to be playing at a, you know, at a, at a temporary stadium, stadium, and people are saying, well, we got Los Angeles Rams here, but they got Case Keenum starting. It's bad enough the Rams don't have name brand, brand wide receivers. They're going to play a boring brand of football with a good defense and a strong run game. The least you could do for the fans who are going to attend and watch your team is put Jared Goff out there, and that's what he's going to do. Don't believe the smoke screens. We've been here with Jeff Fisher before. He's playing games. I'll tell you what it is. It's that HBO is filming Hard Knocks with this team, and and, and, and Coach Fisher is trying to be Hollywood, which, you know, I got nothing against. I got nothing but love for him. But he's trying to build he's trying to build the, 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 the crazy. He's trying to he's trying to make viewers tune in and keep uh, keep his job at the same time and make his team relevant. Now you said seven and nine. Uh really? Yeah, I mean I was just being fictitious there. Oh, okay. They would probably be more like four and twelve. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'll give them five and eleven because they got to play the 49ers twice. So I'll give them five and eleven. Really? You think the forty? You think the Niners actually be worse with uh, either uh, one of those two quarterbacks that they currently got going? They're, they're talking about starting Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Like, seriously considering starting like <laughs> not even like playing games like Fisher's playing games like seriously starting Blaine Gabbert and Ch- Chip Kelly will do it because Chip Kelly's that arrogant when he can say you know what I can fix Blaine Gabbert and he will try it. It's not gonna work, but he will try it. And and Kaepernick. It's been clear that he doesn't want to be there. I mean, a couple of months ago, he he said he wanted to play for the Jets when Fitzpatrick was still holding out and growing out his hair. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to play for all these different teams, wanted to go to Denver. You know, he was chatting it up with John Elway when they lost Brock Eisweiler to the Texans. He doesn't want to be there. So what they're going to do is they're going to take a guy who wants to be there because you got to understand quarterback position is a leadership position. The guy actually wants, he has to want to be there and lead that team. And Kaepernick clearly does not. Blake, Blake, you know, Blaine Gabbert saying, this is my second opportunity. This is my rebirth period to to right the wrongs that I had in Jacksonville and, and get a second chance at life in the NFL. So he's going to take it a lot more serious than Kaepernick. So that's why I believe they're going to try Gabbert out there. But that team is only going to win four games. So they're going to stink up the NFC West. And you're going to have the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks lead it. But back to the Rams, you know, to bring this back full circle, mm-hmm. expect Jared Goff to start this season. Won't be that good. Todd Gurley will be the fantasy option there. He'll be the player there, but Jared Goff is going to take his lumps, and we'll see where he takes it from there. So sticking with your fantasy predictions, we all know that Antonio Brown is the number one consensus pick, especially if you're in a PPR league. Who who is number two as a wide receiver? Uh, well, according to Brandon Marshall, he should be up there. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love Brandon, but, you know, come on, let's be real. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not putting Brandon Marshall up there. I mean, I guess you're going with DeAndre Hopkins on bing, this bing, one. Bing, 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 But I would – little little uh, caution here. Really? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He's been great. Okay, let's – first of all, let's preface this by saying Hopkins held out for, like, 12 hours. And he came back to camp because he realized he had no leverage. Mm-hmm, better match. But – if you if you look at it, the Texans need Hopkins as much as he needs them because without Hopkins, they don't have an offense. You already have a new quarterback there. You do have a, a good running back, Lamar Miller, but we all know that Hopkins makes that offense run, and he's 
you're right, Mike. He's number two behind Antonio Brown. Because if you think about it, that's, that, I'm going to read to you the list of quarterbacks that Hopkins has had, and he's still, yeah. still up to 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what he had from the start of his career in Houston. He started out with Matt Schaub, Mr. Pick 6, mm-hmm. and Case Keen, the same guy who's in the running for Jeff Fisher's starting job in L.A., which is not going to happen. He had T.J. Yates, Ryan Mallett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Hoyer, and Brandon Wheaton. None of those players are going to the Hall of Fame. No offense. Only one of those players is going to start for the season. That's Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Jets, and they took months to give him a new deal. So you got to give Hopkins a lot of credit for what he's done with subpar quarterbacking. But he'll have an upgrade with Brock Osweiler. But I just worry that if Brock Osweiler doesn't pick up the offense, I know there are reports out that he's doing well. But when you read these camp reports, a lot of players are quote-unquote doing well. And you really have to wait till the preseason, the regular season, to really see what a quarterback is in a new system. And so far, the, the track record in Houston for quarterbacks hasn't been good. And there's still the jury is still out on how good Brock Osweiler really is. Remember, he got pulled for noodle arm Peyton Manning in the playoffs. Noodle. I get it. Peyton Manning's brain is bigger than his. He's yeah. smarter. Mm-hmm. I get it. But Brock Osweiler wasn't scintillating when he was in the starting lineup. He was he was pretty meh, average. I mean, my boy Khalil Mack in Oakland sacked him five times. So how good can he be? I mean, I know, yeah, it was behind a makeshift offensive line, but Houston's offensive line isn't grade A either. So before you pick Hopkins behind Brown, if Brown is gone, I would, I would, you know, kind of hit the caution button a little bit. Kind of look at your options. Maybe there's another wideout out there that you can get that can maybe produce just as much as Hopkins because I'm telling you, if that Brock Osweiler experiment doesn't work or if that offensive line crumbles, you're going to have a problem. Okay, so fantasy sleeper, an ex-Houston Texan wide receiver, now with the Tennessee Titans, Andre the Body Johnson. Am I crazy? Yeah? Yeah, you're crazy. Okay, all right, just check. I'm sorry, but I, I like Andre Johnson. I mean, the guy donates his checks to charities, and he's very giving, but his career is done. I hate to say he's played for every AFC South team, and it's gonna. It might take the third team for him to realize that his career is pretty much over. Uh, and he had a down year with Indy, and you know, Indy. I mean, yeah, of course they had Matt Hassel back there for a while, so that may have something to do with it. But if you watch his games, he just doesn't have it. He just doesn't have that what he used to have with Houston in his early in his early career. He just, he just doesn't have it. And you're with Tennessee, and Tennessee is gonna be. Pretty much a ball control team. They're going to be a run first team to set up the pass. So you're going to have DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry running the ball about maybe 60% of the time and setting up Marcus Mariota near, hopefully, in the red zone, which should be a rarity. But the wide receiving course is not that impressive. They do have Rashard Matthews, who I like. They've been testing Doyle Green Beckham, and he hasn't responded. Reports uh, are that he's disappointed during camp. So to depend on a on a guy who's about 34, 35, he is 35, just turned 35, it, it's a dangerous preposition for a young quarterback. Expect Mariota to move the ball with his legs and throw short passes to Delaney Walker, who's a tight end, who led the team last year in receptions and receiving yards. But if you're going to pick Andre Johnson, might go for it because you're, you're probably not going to win that many games, which <laughs> bodes well for me. So go ahead. If you want Andre, the body Johnson. The body. Take him. Yeah, no, I, him. I was just trying. I was just trying to, you know. Show some love to uh, to an old man, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna take him. I'm not I'm not not gonna take him. I just won't do it. I like to win. I like uh, to win. You and him are the same age. So um, that's why you I, shut uh, your mouth. He's two years older. Okay, all right. 
<laughs> Sorry, I, I forget. 33, 35. Yeah, and I'm in way better shape anyway. Um, you think so? Yeah, think I'm, so. that I'm totally joking about too. Um, you know what? I, I'm I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Can I get some purple drink? Can oh, I get man. Can I get some purple drink? <laughs> I, unless you want to end your career like so many other NFL players have done so, the latest that, that will probably do so, Rolando McLean has gone public with his purple drink obsession. He gained 40 pounds. I'm more of a pink drink fan, drink. but I like pink yeah. drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pink, Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, buddy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is following the Jamarcus Russell career plan, and he's going to basically drink his way, codeine his way out of the league. Rolando McLean is... is Suspended, and the reports are that the Dallas Cowboys aren't confident that he's going to right the ship. I mean, the guy we spoke about him last episode, I believe, who's a problem with the Oakland Raiders. He signed with the Ravens, retired like a month later, came back. It's just so much dating back to his college years that you, you feel like, I hate to say it, but his career looks like it's going to be pretty much over, and you won't hear from him again. But if you want to have your purple drink, you don't have it. But Mike, as long as you're on the show, no purple drink. You, right. you have water, smart water, preferably. I like uh, I like vitamin water. Yeah, yeah. No, no vitamin no water. water. That stuff is no good for you. It's just watered down Kool Aid. Yep. Stick to the stick to the smart water or alkaline water. Ooh. If you want to have some electrolytes, have some Gatorade, Powerade, maybe. Yeah. That's about it. It's dangerous. That's dangerous. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a drug. When you look at it, I mean, uh, forty pounds reportedly he gained. That's that. I don't, that's a lot of purple drink. That's a lot of drink, period, 40 pounds. I mean, and he got a 10-game suspension. So, um, you know, it's nice to say that Jerry Jones won't take him back, but he probably will if he shows, you know, signs of, you know, being an intimidating, uh, you know, pass rusher again because that is what Jerry Jones does. But, you know, it, you know, we, there's a lot already to be concerned about in, in Dallas land if you're a fan, and to that I say, ha-ha, uh, you know, not not considering the unflattering uh, photo of Fat Tony because there was a photo taken, I don't know, three seconds later that showed him being svelte, so that was just a really bad image that was shot. But they've already got issues with Ezekiel Elliott, and no, not just the crop top. Uh, you know, there's issues there with a hamstring, and this is something he dealt with at Ohio State. Uh, you know, so, Laura, you should be concerned. But all in all, I mean, if you're a Cowboy fan, Mo, and we know that you released, you know, your your, your ratings this past week and possible uh, outcomes for standings, what are we looking at if you're a Dallas fan? fan which you shouldn't be if anyone is but what are we looking at uh how are they gonna end this season well it, if if Elliot goes down I'll, I'll probably laugh at laura for that because yeah. she's a huge fan of his and i i that would be super funny especially if she picks him in our fantasy league please, laura you're, you're open to picking him if you want she uh, has to bam i've gonna... ruled it commissioner says she has to take him in the first round done <laughs> you take it with your first pick yeah. go ahead have him because done. I don't think it hurts the Cowboys as much as people think. Yes, Elliott is probably the best back in that backfield, but you still have Morris, Alfred Morris, and you still have Darren. I fell on my elbow and broke my elbow, McFadden. Oh, so uh, apparently he's going to be ready for week one, McFadden is. And right. they'll still have two decent running backs to run behind that offensive line. If you think about it, as long as you have an above-average offensive line, can make average running backs look good. So you don't even need Elliott to, to have this run game, you know, operate on optimal levels. I think Dallas will still win 10, 11 games, even without Elliott. But if he misses time, it just bodes well for me because then I can just laugh at Laura until the season ends. That her boy just came in and sprung a hamstring and he played four games and had like eight carries. So that would be great. You know, Laura, again, go ahead and pick Elliott. Yeah. That's your boy. 
But, and and I have a, a great season. What is up no. with what is up with these Ohio State guys? I mean, reports are that Joey Bosa hasn't talked to the Chargers since last Thursday, and they're nowhere near coming to a contract agreement. I mean, what? What what is Urban Meyer doing? What is he feeding these guys to to just make them so entitled and just think that they run it before they even step on a football field? I'm totally confused of what's going on with the Ohio State University. Yeah, I'm confused too. Maybe they need a you know a lawyer and a physician or something together. I don't know what's going on with Bosa, but it's just kind of odd that we've gone through several camp practices and he has not negotiated a contract. Darren Lee also came from Ohio State. It took him a while, but he was in, at least he was in before camp. You got Joey Bosa, who's the number three pick overall. He's supposedly going to help that defensive line in San Diego, and he's not even under contract yet, and they're not even speaking. Like, preseason is next week. Mm-hmm. You got to get it done, and someone's either the agent, Joey Bosa's agent, or the Chargers, someone's being irresponsible. It could be a little bit of both. I don't know why it's this is coming from Ohio State, but there's a lot of red flags. I mean, under Urban Meyer, he's a good head coach at that college, but there's been a lot of red flags between, you know, speculation about drug use and they get in the NFL sometimes, contract issues, injuries. You know, it, you hate to pin it on one school, but in Joey Bosa's situation, it's just mind-blowing that this guy's a rookie. You need as much time with your new team as possible, yeah. and he's not on the field. And the, one of the first things that I believe uh, the head coach in, in the GM said, uh, Telesco said, that was, this guy loves football. He just wants to be on the field. He just wants to play football. Well, it doesn't look like that right now. I mean, I understand. Get your money, more money, more buckets. I get it. But get it done at a faster pace. I mean, it's been months now. Yeah. Like, what are you sure. doing? Seriously. No, absolutely. I think it's time for a formal investigation of Ohio State University and, um, you know, call it a day. But, you know, there's something there's – there's a topic I'm about to bring up. But, I, but you know, it's funny because Mo often doesn't like to get involved when, when you know, the proverbial SHIT hits the fan. And mm-hmm. there's certain comments that I, I love to go off on a tangent and Mo stays away from. So this is one that I'm going to do that. Um, you know, remember the whole Miko Grimes thing from a couple yep. you know weeks ago where I just ripped her a new one. So Mo, Mike, you take Mike, this one away. Yeah, before, yeah. before you start, uh-huh. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt sure. you here, but it's for your own good. Please okay? do. This might save your life. Okay. Before you go in, mm-hmm. before you make comments about this next person. No, I don't want to make any comments. I'm letting you have the floor. <laughs> no, no, you're I'm not. done. I'm I can't no, hear you. I'm sorry, we're breaking up. What? My, no, Mo? I'm. We're gonna. But, you, know, you just said you're the guy. You're the brave dude who not, goes on a tangent and not the safe one. So I'm gonna let you have this. No, one. no, I'm gonna let, let you, you have this one because you need to step up to the plate because you came up with this topic. When I saw it in the news, I was like, nope, not touching it. Mm-mm. I like my you life. You know what? Like my life. This is what I'm gonna say. Congratulations, Marvin Harrison, yes. on being inducted to the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's good to see you in. I knew you'd get in. I was a fan of yours ever since you got in the league with Peyton Manning and the Colts. Always cheer for you. I probably had your jersey. Probably. And it's great to see you uh, actually be recognized for all the things that you've done. Now, if you're not familiar with Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. I would advise you to Google him. And when you Google him, I'll just give you two hints. More of, uh, you know, I'll just say a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Please bang, do. bang, pow, pow. <laughs> Pay Marvin Harrison before you pay the mop if you owe this man money because he does not play with his money. He does not play with anything that belongs to him. So please, when you see Marvin in the streets in Philly, walk to the other side of the street. Sir, be nice. Mm. Say hello, sir. How are you doing? Congratulations on all of fame. Shake hands. Not too long, maybe Mm. for two seconds. Yeah, for real. Let go and run. Don't walk away. Run away. 
Gang. If you're wondering why I'm saying this, again, just Google yeah. him. Just Google him and read all about his background. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. That's it. Pretty much. Yeah, that's, yeah. Pretty, that's pretty, pretty much it. Yeah. He's that's a, it. That's an ad, Mike? No. Uh, too legit to quit. That's all I have to say. That's... <laughs> <laughs> what about What about T.O.? I mean, people Who? are talking about this T.O. stuff. Saying that he's supposed to be in the Hall of Fame. And I, I agree. I, I wouldn't put him in over Marvin Harrison because Marvin Harrison is one of the greatest wide receivers ever to live on this earth. But I think T.O. should have got in somehow maybe take somebody off i don't know uh definitely not kenny stabler because he's you know a raider but yeah. teal had nine 1000 yard seasons in a 14-year career and he played with the buffalo bills when they had ryan fitzpatrick and trent edwards in 2009 and he had 983 yards and nine touchdowns so with the Bengals to end his career so he deserves to be in but again not over marvin harrison marvin harrison absolutely deserves to be in he should be the first person in. he should be the first person to, to speak no one speak when he's speaking mm, by the way. You, do not speak when marvin you harrison watch your speech. mouth absolutely catch your tongue yes. i mean but come on we know why t.o didn't get in i mean like really like has anyone ever watched game film or seen an interview what? with the man from the past when he was doing crunches in his in his driveway like he this is what he did he did it to himself it's the same reason barry bonds won't get in the hall of fame and a-rod won't get in and it, maybe t.o he will eventually get in but not in a year when it's a unanimous guy who did all the right things i'll say at least on the field um you know i he was a prima donna and he shot himself in the foot repeatedly with so many different teams so uh, there's no sorrow for t.o and he can cry that's my tony romo that's my man that's my (laughs) quarterback you don't talk about remember that because it was all it just seemed all preconceived and it seemed so fake and even though he went out and was great for so many years uh, the time has come where he has to pay the piper, and if that means not getting in the NFL till his second, third, fourth, fifth time of eligibility, so be it. You know, too bad. So sorry. Yeah, and when you said T.O. shot himself in the foot, are oh. you sure it's T.O. that shot himself in the foot, or did, did Marvin? Are you saying oh. Mark? Oh, see, I, that was care of Maurice oh, Moen, no, uh, care of the Mike and Mo show. I have nothing to say about that. Next! <laughs> I'm just saying you know, the smoking gun. Oh, you playing with fire. I'm just saying. Maurice Mullen. He lives, he lives on a Bedford sty and Williamsburg in, in Brooklyn. Just you snitching. <laughs> you won podcast snitching on me. I'm, I just shouted you out at the beginning of the podcast. Said you were my co-host. We couldn't life. do this with each other. I got your back. Snitching on me. Hey, hey, I got people. I'm Italian. I got this. We got this. Listen, okay, you better. Yeah, I better have two big bodyguards with me at all times for the next five days because <sighs> after Marvin gives his speech in Canton, Ohio, mm-hmm. he could be back in Lee's close to New York, so I need to He's coming for it. be careful. He's coming know, for I'm just saying. It. Absolutely. No, we got nothing but love from Marvison. Mar- I my right. My dad always called him. He caught. He combined Marvin and Harrison. He called him Marvinson. Uh, but fix it. yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Hey, good for you. And uh, let's talk baseball. Okay, sure, yeah. sure, absolutely. There's uh, a let's play baseball. So that's great. Yeah, a lot going on in the world of baseball. It was a fun past, uh, you know, like ten days or so. And obviously, uh, you know, August first was the trade deadline. Lots going on. My beloved Yankees, uh, you know, pretty much waved the white flag, but it's okay because we picked up a what was that? We picked up a bunch of prospects, and in two years we're gonna be relevant again, so it's okay. 
I'm okay. We're, we, you know, we're going to start out with, you know, we're going to start talking Mets. We're going to talk Cespedes going on the DL and, you know, with that bad quad again, even hey. though, and he was playing golf yesterday. So how do you feel about that, Mo? How do you feel about no, your man? man? We're, we're talking about trade. No, we're no. not talking about the Mets. We're not talking about Yohan Cespedes' quad. We're going to talk about the Mets. 15-day you know, DL. We're yeah. talking about trades. Okay? All right. All right. So let's talk about, let's talk about the trade the Mets made. <laughs> Acquiring acquiring Jay Bruce from the Cincinnati Reds, and I didn't even know this, but uh, he's the first guy since 1920 to actually be traded in season uh, that leads the entire National League in RBI. So that's pretty pretty impressive. He's got, uh, I believe it's 80 to his name. So uh, a really good pickup. Again, the Mets did this last year with Cespedes. They go out and they pick up a guy you know, around the deadline, and they hope that he lights a fire into them, and it worked last year. And if you've watched the game tonight, the Mets won 4-1, to and he hit a three-run home run. So Good trade. You know, I'm glad that Jay Bruce got out of Cincinnati because there's not a whole lot going on. If you're a Red fan, you know that. They do get Dilson Herrera back and Max Woltel. Herrera's been, you know, up and down with the team for a couple years now. You know, he's only 22. He's got batting 276 with 13 home runs and 55 RBIs in the minors this year, which is really good, especially for a second baseman. Uh, We'll see where he ends up next year with the whole, you know, Brandon Phillips thing. If Cincinnati can finally unload him because they did try to trade him this year, but he did have that no trade that he blocked to, to Washington. Um, but, you know, it's unfortunate for, uh, I think, honestly, Cincinnati would have been better off getting a guy like uh, Brandon Nimmo, but for whatever reason, that trade did not go through. There were some bad uh, bad injury details that were hidden in the paperwork, and some people were not going to pass their physicals, so the Mets did rework the deal, and at least they got the man that they, they really wanted. Uh, another big trade was the Rangers and the Brewers. Uh, the Rangers acquired a hell of a, a hell of a catcher, and again, another guy who was and Jonathan Lucroy was supposedly going to be headed to the Cleveland Indians, and it didn't happen because he waived his no trade clause, and supposedly he did so because the Indians could not promise him that he would be the starting catcher when their catcher Jan Gomes, who is on the DL uh, right now with a bad knee, came off the DL, which is really weird because Gomes is batting under 200. Um, so to tell a guy like Lucroy, who bats over 300 and consistently is a you know clubhouse leader, that you don't want him or you're not willing to give him a shot when he can play first and can also dh is a little strange but you know good for the rangers they do acquire him and uh, relief pitcher jem jeffries for lewis brinson who is a big time uh big time prospect center fielder kick and hit for power speed kind of reminds you of like uh like a Tory Hunter, like back in the day when Tory Hunter was that good. They also pick up right-handed pitcher Luis Ortiz. So a really, really good trade for both both sides. Um, the Rangers needed this because, you know, again, their window, it seems to be closing. They do have some nice pieces, but when you trade those kids, you know, you got to get something back in return. So they did a good job. Mo, what is the deal with Yasiel Puig? I don't know. Uh, last <laughs> I heard, he was going to be demoted. He yeah. traveled with the team and... At one point, there were rumors that the Mets won him. The Mets said no. So uh, maybe he's just in that case. Maybe he's just in that Draymond Green category, just not as talented yet in the pros. But Very hopefully possible. he finds his way. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. He, he had talent. He does, and he's only 25, and that's the thing. He's been in the league for three years. People forget that he, you know, came in at 22 from Cuba, a total different way of life, Major League Baseball, getting thrown a ton of money, and look, they demoted him. They tried to trade him. Nobody wanted him. They could still trade him if he passes through waivers from now until September 1st, but they did that because they acquired Josh Reddick from the Oakland A's. Uh, Josh Reddick, very good right fielder, has a propensity for getting hurt, um, like a magnet to a nail. He eventually will probably get hurt, but they pick him up. They pick up left-handed pitcher Rich Hill, 36 years old, coming off 
off a really, you know, last year he was pretty much, you know, washed up. This year he's pitching really, really well, 9-3, 2-2-5 ERA, and 90 strikeouts. But the problem I have with this is that the the Dodgers gave up three top 15 prospects, all right-handed pitchers. Frankie Montez, which they got from the White Sox in the last offseason, Grant Holmes, and Jarrell Cotton. I just I have a problem getting giving up three huge pitching prospects for guys that are question marks, especially when one is a 36 year old pitcher who may not do this for many longer than this season. So interesting trade. Uh, we will see. Uh, not a huge trade between the Pirates and the Blue Jays. The Pirates acquired Drew Hutchinson, while the Blue Jays got Francisco Liriano, who is pretty much the name that people can recognize in a deal like this. Um, Liriano just kind of needed a, uh, a change of scenery at this point. Uh, they also The Blue Jays also acquired Reese McGuire and Howard Ramirez. A lot of prospects being traded around, uh, which is kind of weird because the, you know, the Pirates go and trade a guy like Liriano. They traded Jonathan Neese back to the Moe's Mets, which is fine. The Mets could, you know, use a guy with everything that's going on in their bullpen situation. But then they go and they actually traded for Ivan Nova from the Yankees, who the Yankees basically traded for two prospects to be named later. And if you know anything about that, it's just so you can get him off the roster because you don't want him anymore. So it's kind of weird that the Pirates would take on a guy like that when they basically traded a guy like that, who was the lefty who, you know, really Liriano has the propensity for striking out, you know, 10, 12 batters a game if he's on. Now he can also walk 10 or 12 batters, but that's another story. So uh, kind of confused what's going on in Pittsburgh. I feel bad for uh, Andrew McCutcheon because these are the best years of his career. He is signed for two more more years and after that it will be 32 and it's going to want to play in a playoff in a world series i would think because he's a great player but at this rate the pirates are not going to get there anytime soon um there was a couple trades with the angels and the twins are going to go past that a trade that i did like was the giants and the rays the giants acquired left-handed pitcher matt moore um really really very talented guy still young coming off uh, tommy john about a year and a half ago he showed signs of being pretty solid this year um actually pitched okay today he went out in a 2-2 score struck out six but walked five and that's not like him but again it was his first outing uh, for a new team at san francisco but the rays acquired matt duffy who last year finished i think it was second in rookie of the year uh the rookie of the year award and it's weird because matt duffy had a really off year this year he was really he's still hurt he's on the 15 day DL. so if matt duffy is not hurt more than likely the rays aren't getting him so obviously we talked last week the uh the giants picked up eduardo nunez he's going to be the third baseman but i'm kind of surprised that the that the giants gave up on a young guy uh, in matt duffy obviously old story you have to give up something to get something and the Giants needed, you know, an extra pitcher in that rotation because of the whole Kane situation. Jake Peavy not really living up to to what they're getting paid, and Jeff Samarja has not been the same for about two months now. Uh, the Rays also acquired Lucius Fox, fantastic name, possibly the greatest name in the history of baseball, and a guy by the name of Michael Santos. Again, lots of prospects being dealt. The Angels sent Jesus Castillo to the Cubs for Joe Smith. Another great trade for the Cubs. Uh, solidifying that bullpen, putting in a, a solid right-hander that can come in, spot situation, 7th, 8th inning. Uh, I, like we talked last week, they got Mike Montgomery, they got a role this Chapman. So great trades there. The Cubs are going they're going for it. 108 years without a World Series, Mo. If, if they don't, a lot, that's a long time. That's Thanks a lot for helping them out, Mike. Thanks a lot. Well, yeah, well, I mean. Sign, it, sign I'm a fan. Thanks for giving uh, Roldis Chapman for the I game. mean, if you could get their number one overall prospect, who's a shortstop, and a couple other, the number five, the number 13. I mean, it's just, it's just a smart move. And let's face it, uh, the Mets continue to, you know, struggle. They're not going to be in the conversation for a playoff spot anyway. But we'll move on. Um, not going to talk about the Red Sox because I don't want to. Uh, you know, we'll talk about my Yankees. Carlos Beltran was sent packing. You know, obviously, uh, he's a free agent after this year. 
Uh, Yankees fans were all over me on Twitter saying, oh, but if we, if we even if we can't trade him, we'll sign him and give him a qualifying offer. Okay, so you're going to give a qualifying offer to a guy next year who's going to be 40 that can no longer play the outfield, and the qualifying offer is $16.7 million. Uh, who, it, you think he would turn down $16.7 million for one season? Hell no. So you're going to be stuck with him and Erod then for next year? No. They did the right thing. They traded him to Texas. They got Dylan Tate, who just... 2014 was the fourth overall pick in the draft. Yes, he's underperformed in the minor leagues to this point, but he's still a young man, uh, got a lot of potential. And again, another guy that if he was pitching to his capabilities, the Yankees wouldn't have gotten for a 39-year-old Beltran. Also picked up Eric Swanson and Nick Green. Uh, Giants were active again. Kicking up Will Smith, who should have been the closer with Milwaukee, but he hurt himself in spring training. He's a left-handed specialist. And they gave up two big prospects, catcher Andrew Susak and Phil Bickford, who was their top prospect of the entire San Francisco Giants organization. Right-handed pitcher, super young. I, this is this is a little bit of a drastic move to trade two big prospects for a, a left-handed specialist who's been hurt all year. But again, San Francisco wins every other year when it's an even year, so I guess they think this is this year. I, you know, San Francisco Giants uh, minor league system was, I think, 25th to begin with. So I guess they figured out, yeah, what the hell, we're going to trade two guys. We'll replenish it eventually. But, you know, Giants have been very good. Bruce Booch, Bochy, the manager, knows what he's doing, so who am I to question that? Uh, the trade that kind of nips my uh, nips my nipples a little bit is uh, is the Yankees getting rid of Andrew Miller. I love why, Andrew Miller. What was that? Because you saw him in spring training? Is yeah. that why? Yeah, like, yeah, but had a connection with a him A little or bit. Something? It was kismet. Yeah, it was kismet. No, it's just the fact that the guy wanted to be a Yankee. He said all the right things. He was a consummate professional. Uh, didn't want to go anywhere. He was signed for two more years at a, at a relatively inexpensive $9 million. But I get it. You know, Brian Cashman is finally having his say. He's he's being he's finally able to be a general manager, which is something he hasn't been able to do for many years. He's just gone out and signed the most expensive guy. So he's building the team from within. So yes, he sent Miller to Cleveland, picked up uh, Cleveland's big prospect, Clint Frazier, uh, the redheaded lightning bolt, as I like to call him, already trying to get with uh, the uh, Instagram model or whatever you want to call her, Jen Selter, who used to, if you remember Jen Selter, she was the one at the at the forefront of the Brett Favre, uh, also sending photos of his genitalia problem a couple years ago, so it's yeah. it's kind of funny how that comes back to haunt everybody. Jane Hunt may, may want to get her number. Cause... Right? Well, go on, go on Snapchat and yeah, you'll see why it's worth it. Um, but other than that, they got just Justice Sheffield, who is Gary Sheffield's uh, nephew, actually. Uh, he's another uh, left-handed pitcher. Kind of diminutive, only 5'10". Sorry, Mo. But, uh, Wait, but yeah. Why do you use that, that adjective? You don't have to say all of that. Just, <laughs> well, I'm just, you know. I'm just stating it, obviously. But he does throw 92, 93. He's got a slider. Uh, picked up, I think, actually, Ben Heller, who throws triple digits. Uh, it was almost like a throw-in in this deal, but this kid could be up as soon as next week with the Yankees because, obviously, he traded a bunch of guys in the bullpen. So they do need uh, do need some, some arms. And then, as Mo did allude to uh, earlier, your oldest Chapman, was, we, we talked about it last, last time, was sent to the Cubs. Uh, and the one trade that was kind of had me scratching my head was Matt Kemp getting dealt from uh, from San Diego to to the Braves. Uh, the Braves are terrible, like the worst team in the world. Uh, and they actually traded him for Hector Oliveira, who is another Cuban import who was also accused of domestic violence and was suspended, but getting paid for this year. And right right ahead, go ahead, the San Diego Padres released him. So they're going to be on the hook for his remaining salary. Uh, but I guess the you know Matt Kemp grew up a Braves fan. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, I mean, I guess you need somebody to come in and root for your team, right? 
when, when you fall off the mountain, you got to start from the bottom, okay? This yeah. is what happens. It's this is what happens when you're the man. You got to start over. You build your, you build your way back up on a bad team. It's, it's very Good possible. Him. Good for him, you know. Maybe I think he would have been better suited going to a team like the Mets, like we talked about many episodes ago. <laughs> but, you know, hey, he's in Atlanta. I, I still think there's a possibility he gets dealt uh, now if he clears <laughs> waivers or will be dealt in the offseason because he's just too good of a player. Uh, to still be with Atlanta. I mean, I get that, you know, he's getting paid a lot of money, but somebody would need an impact bat. But I think, honestly, probably the best trade of all the trades was Mark Melanson going from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes, those Pirates we talked about a minute ago. Um, they traded their closer. I don't get it. Traded him to the Washington Nationals for Felipe Rivera and Taylor Hearn. Uh, Melanson, he's club controlled. He's 30 out of 33 in save chances and a 1.91 ERA this year. I mean, that's, that's exactly what Washington needed. Jonathan Papelbon has been lacking for to say it in a nice term uh but a great trade he saved uh he saved the game last night and washington is just they're just playing really great ball and if they can continue to hit and and ex-med daniel murphy can continue to to make mets fans cry then i'm a happy man and i feel like the nationals are going to be the team to beat the national league so uh mo that is the trade deadline report all in all it was it was a fun fun time of the year for me it's great to see the yankees doing something for the future because i'm tired of people bashing my team and bashing my minor league system i actually wrote a uh, article that says now the the yankees rival the braves for the number one uh, farm system in all of baseball obviously with the dodgers trading those three top 15 players who they were one probably dropped down to about three or four now so that is it mo it's plenty of baseball still left to go we got about what two months so a lot can happen let's I, I, yeah you know what let's see let's see the mets do it I, you know i'm all for a new york team representing representing the great state of new york because unfortunately mine won't be there to 2018 but regardless there is hope in yankee land finally finally you come to the yeah. reality of it. let's just put this in perspective yankees and i tweeted this right when the yankees had their fire sale i said the mets are competing for 2016 the yeah. yankees are competing for 2018 think about this okay by the time the yankees are ready to compete hillary clinton or donald trump will be in halfway through their term isn't that amazing it, it really it really is it, it's kind of sad but i mean i you know the yankees are going through a transition period i mean they've still got alex rodriguez on on the roster and it's just funny because fans are like well I'll release him okay so let's put this into perspective that we can understand he's getting paid 25 million dollars this year he's getting paid 21 million dollars next year uh it's not your money so it's very easy for you to say cut him why if i have to pay him why am i going to cut him and i get that he's taking up a roster spot and i and look should have played tonight against bartolo colon he, he has eight home runs and 20 rbis in his career yet he didn't so regardless if joe girardi just hates the man and refuses to play him or the management says look you're keeping him because we're going to pay him something needs to break eventually because yes to a certain extent i understand he is taking up a roster spot and there's plenty of kids to be brought up but again the rosters expand september 1st and if we're not going anywhere this year uh, you know why? Why release a Rod and let him sign with a with a team like the Red Sox or the Orioles or a team that could possibly do damage to the Yankees? That's just asinine to release a guy that you have to pay and then he beats you. So I don't get that. But again, it's a weird time for Yankee fans. It's a fun time. There's a lot of optimism, but there's still a lot of bad contracts on the books, and and unfortunately that is one. Although I still I still like a Rod. I'm still a fan. Uh, I would love to see him finally get to the 700 home run plateau, which would you know which is something only three other guys in all of Major League Baseball history have ever done so it would be pretty cool to see regardless of how you feel as him about him as a man if he cheated this or that probably won't get in the hall of fame but he's a good teammate according to all the reports he's a, he's basically a coach right now helping all out the younger players so at least he's doing something to earn that money instead of you know just mailing it in like he really could you're absolutely right but it's funny um 
if A-Rod never played for the Yankees, would you be that passionate about seeing him hit that home run or passing 700? Would you... Would you be that much in favor of him doing you it know with what? the Yankees? I mean, with another team? It's what is he? Four, four home runs, five home runs. I forget the exact number. Yeah, because I'm I'm a baseball purist. I love I just love the game. It's not for everyone. People say it's slow or it's this, it's that, it's boring. It's fine. It's not for you. But I love the game. I, when Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa were doing those things years ago, it was just amazing to be part of history. And every time there's a no hitter, a potential no hitter, or a perfect game, I, I want to watch it because I want to say that hey. I want to tell my son one day I got to see that. So if I can say that I was there and I got to see Alex Rodriguez hit 700th home run and then take his helmet off and walk off the field and never come back, then I want to be able to say that because it's a possibility. But to, I'm not one of those people that's like, well, he's a disgrace. He's this, he's that. Well, you know what? Yes, he might have cheated, but 700 home runs, PEDs or not, is still a hell of an achievement. It, I, I understand PEDs can help you recover quicker and it can make your ball go further, but it still doesn't. Man, it doesn't help you hit the ball. You still have to have amazing hand-eye coordination. You have to be able to play over 20 years, give or take, which is what he's around. You have to be able to endure all that the, the, the hate that he's been spewed at for many years. So regardless if he was still with Seattle or still with Texas, it's still something that I would want to see because it's history. It's, it's weird to me, like in the NCAA, when they'll say, oh, team cheated, uh, USC cheated, we're going to take away your wins, we're taking away your bowl wins, Reggie Bush, give us back the Heisman. Okay, but in my mind, I still still saw the Reggie Bush win the Heisman. I still saw USC win that national title. So uh, you may not say it's on paper, but in the minds of millions and billions, it, it is still what it is. They were champions. He won the Heisman. A-Rod could hit 700 home runs. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know it's, there's a gray area there. I obviously get that. You don't have to like him. I don't care if you do. Not you, Mo, people in general. But... For me, for baseball fans, uh, historians under the age of, like, 70, we'll say, uh, it is cool to see. But it's not for everybody, so be it. You definitely have a career in PR. You just spun the whole <laughs> steroids era to, to make them sympathetic figures or right? just basically take the asterisk off their name if they break hey. the record. You basically did that in, uh, in, like, a couple of minutes. Thank you. You know what? I've been, I've been petitioning for years that in the Baseball Hall of Fame, fame we should have a wing dedicated to all the people that have – supposedly cheated because again pete rose is the all-time hits king for over four thousand hits did he cheat did he bet on his own team did he bet on them to lose no one knows but we're not going to allow him in the hall of fame shoeless joe jackson supposedly threw the 19 was it 1909 world series the chicago black Sox, still batted over 400 but he cheated barry bonds is the all-time hit home run king supposedly cheated roger clemens 300 wins supposedly cheated we don't know for sure regardless if we know the testimony or not these guys did it so you don't want to let them in the hall of fame okay but they still did it they still achieved these massive amount of records but there's going to be an asterisk okay put them in the hall with a fat asterisk on their plaque because they still made Major League Baseball millions of dollars. They still impacted generations of young ball players. They made a difference. Good, bad, or indifferent, it made a difference to fans, to the way the game is played, and to the way the game is today in 2016. So whether it was now that we finally got PEDs and we're cleaning up the game, it's because at one time it was dirty. Or whether we're still working to clean it up, it's because we went through what we went through with those congressional hearings and all of that crap. So... I mean, it just, it is what it is. You can't take away what these guys did 
totally. You can't wipe the slate clean. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Rafael Palmero, you never played. Like, I'm not going to Jedi mind trick you into thinking like, oh, Wusa, it never happened. No, no, it happens because I saw it. So that's all I'm saying. It's uh, it's it's crazy. It's weird. Everybody, it's it's like talking politics with people. You're never nobody's ever going to be on the same page. But um, you know, if I had anything to do, I, that would be my goal is to let them in the hall with a fat asterisk and a separate wing. Maybe it was like a janitor closet at one time. But I'm letting them in the hall. Yeah, I mean, you heard it right there, Mike, laying down the law. Let them in. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm not a fan either of taking away things that have already been earned on the court or on the field. I would say just leave it, but. You know, like you said, put an asterisk next to it, but I'm not in favor of, oh, you didn't really win that Heisman or you really didn't win that championship. We're going to take your bandage down. It's just, to me, it's just like you can't undo what's already been done. No. You just learn from it. Exactly. And move on. Absolutely. That's the thing. It's, it's written in history, whether, you know, whether it's actually on a paper or not. We saw it. We lived it. It made us feel something. It's an emotion. And that's what sports is about. It's about an emotion. It's about a pageantry or rivalry. That's why we watch. We watch so, we, so you and I and guys like us can talk about. It and inspire people to either do this as well or, or go on Twitter and talk about it, drum up a conversation, or to get in an argument. Whatever it is, it's a narrative and it keeps the dialogue going. It's entertainment. That's what it is. And sometimes people take it a little too seriously. So check yourself before you wreck yourself, homie. Speaking, speaking of heated debates, next in the wrap-up, we're going to talk about the LeBron James-Michael Jordan comparison. That's up next. Michael Jordan, LeBron James. LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Maurice Moten, who you got? Well, if I was thrown in that conversation, it would be me over LeBron and Mike. Absolutely. We'll just say for argument's sake, let's just keep it between LBJ and MJ, okay? Okay. But um, conversation has been sparked over the past week about will LeBron James be on the same plane with Michael Jordan if LeBron wins two more championships? And I'm telling you, the answer is yes. Now, I know Michael Jordan people will go crazy and pull out their hair and say, no, you know, LeBron James will never be on the same plane as Michael Jordan because LeBron lost four finals. He's three and four in the NBA finals and Jordan is 6-0. Oh. Well, let me get, let me just throw a quick stat at you real quick. So let me ask, would you rather have Tom Brady's Super Bowl record or Eli Manning's? Tom Brady was 4-2 and two in the Super Bowl. He's probably going to go to more. Eli Manning, 2-0 and oh in the Super Bowl. So Eli Manning is kind of like Jordan in a sense, to a lesser extent, of course, because he only has two Super Bowl wins, but he's undefeated. He, every time, he, both times he went to the Super Bowl, he's won. Tom Brady, on the other hand, has gone to more Super Bowls but he's lost, but he's won more. Now, I know right now uh, Jordan has more NBA Finals wins than LeBron James, but the way LeBron James and the Cavaliers are set up, they're probably going to be in the Finals for the next few years. Yes, Knicks fans, I know you're hoping it'll be them, but Cleveland's still got that Eastern Conference on lock. So I believe LeBron James will go to at least three more NBA Finals, and let's say he wins three of them. Okay, let's say he wins three before his career is over because he has some time left on his on his tires. He's still only two years older than me. He's going to be, I believe, thirty two this year. Still has a lot of time. He could play maybe five, six more years. Let's say he goes three for three in in, in the finals, or he just wins three. Whether he goes to the finals or not, he just wins three more finals. And he's six and four, which means that he's gone to ten NBA finals, and MJ has only been to six. 
Now, what I don't get is that people don't give credit to players who actually make the championship game. It's like, well, if you don't win the championship, if you just go and lose, then you're just like everyone else who lost. And I'm like, uh, no, I beg to differ on that because I'm sure the Golden State Warriors don't feel the same way as the Denver Nuggets right now. I'm sure the Carolina Panthers don't feel the same way as the Tennessee Titans right now. There is a difference between getting to the championship game and not go into the postseason at all. There's a huge difference there. And I, I, I'll use this, this corny Jeopardy analogy, right? Okay, let's say Jeopardy had preliminary rounds where you had to answer a bunch of questions just to get on the show and win a million dollars. And let's say you went through the preliminaries and you got on the show and you had a chance to win a million dollars, but you lost at the end. And let's say your friend didn't even make it through the preliminaries, didn't study, he's not as smart as you, doesn't make it, doesn't even get on the show, doesn't even have a chance to win a million. Who do you think feels better about this situation? Would you feel better knowing that you actually had a chance? Or would your friend feel better saying, at least well, at least I didn't get on the show and lose. <laughs> I'd rather just not be on the show at all and just be, you know, some dude in the background in the crowd cheering you on. And I'm sure the person in the upper hand would be you who actually had a chance. So that's my analogy towards sports is that we have to give credit to the team that actually gets there because... By all means, that means you won your conference. You were the best team in your conference. There has to be something set for that. I mean, if you look at the last NBA Finals, I believe the last seven or eight NBA Finals, LeBron James has been there. From Cleveland days to Miami to Cleveland, he's been in the NBA Finals. And he's performed. Whether he's won or lost, he's given it his all. So people saying, oh, three and four, oh, can't compare because Michael Jordan was perfect in the NBA Finals. Well, guess what? Before Michael Jordan was getting to the NBA Finals, he couldn't get past the Detroit Pistons. And I've said this multiple times before. Jordan at first wasn't even getting there. He had to break through a wall to get there. And once he got there, yes, he took advantage of it. But LeBron James is taking teams lined with Mo Williams and Aaron Anderson Varejao to the finals. I mean, think about that. When he first got in the league, after his first year, he was going to the playoffs. He was taking his team to the promised land and actually had a chance. Just didn't have a nucleus, didn't have a supporting cast around him. Not like MJ did. Again, MJ had Pippen. He had Rodman, Ron Harper, those guys, Tony Crew coach, Keith, Steve Curry. These are key role players that LeBron did not have when he was going. Now he has them. And I feel like, okay, if he wins two, three more, you got to put him in the same conversation with MJ. And people were quick to go with the stats. And the favorite stat is, well, MJ scores points. MJ scores points. And I'm like, I get that. But MJ did not shoot threes very well. If you know your history, the NBA moved the three-point line forward so that it would increase scoring. So between the 1994 and 1997 seasons, the, the three-point line was a lot closer. I believe they moved it from 23, inches, 23 feet and 9 inches to 22 feet. And then MJ started hitting three-pointers. He averaged 1.4 for two seasons. LeBron averages 1.4 three-pointers for his career with an NBA, with a regular NBA three-point line. People say, well, defense. MJ knows how to lock down his defenders, and he averaged more than two steals a game. We all know steals can be overrated because we can look at a player like Steph Curry, and he has maybe two steals a game. Is Steph Curry a lockdown defender? Now, I'm not comparing MJ's defense to Curry's defense, but what I'm saying is you just can't look at the steals and make a decision based on that. LeBron can guard maybe now in today's NBA where you have a small five. LeBron can guard every position on the court. I, and MJ could not do that. As good as MJ was as an on-ball defender, as a perimeter defender, he cannot guard all five positions on the court like LeBron James. We all know LeBron James is a better passer than MJ. That's not even up for debate. So when it comes to team chemistry... I don't know if you heard stories, but MJ actually punched teammates in the face. 
LeBron actually looks to get his teammates involved in the game off the court, include everyone in the team in the locker room on the court. So you got when it comes to team chemistry and getting teammates to to play with you and not just for you, gotta go with LeBron James because if your teammates with MJ, you might have to throw it out on him, and I don't want to have to punch MJ in the face. You know, give him a black guy. He's gonna have to talk to the media after the game. You you don't want that. You just don't want teammates fighting. You know, uh, personalities don't match. But LBJ, yes, he can be passive aggressive, but at least he looks to get his teammates involved again as a passer and as a, as a person off the court. If you remember, Kevin Love felt left out throughout the season. He felt like the, the black sheep on the team. And he, he tried to embrace Kevin Love and told him, you know, try try to fit out instead of fit in. And he let Kevin Love be himself. If you watch Kevin Love's press conference, he tried to kid around with him and loosen him up at the press conference when it seemed like he was a little too shy to talk. You want a teammate like that. You want a teammate who's going to have your back. Not a teammate that you're going to have to have a USC fight with after the game in the locker room. And that's that's kind of what MJ could have been at certain times in his career. So, again, if you, if you want to have a fight with your teammate and throw down and have blows thrown and try to be Floyd Mayweather with MJ, that's cool. But I'm going to go with LeBron when it comes to team chemistry. Again, it's an intangible. People will say, well, MJ scores all the points. But when you look at the full picture, the full scope of everything, you got to give LeBron James credit. So, again, if he wins two or three more championships, you have to mention him in the same breath as MJ. There you have it. Maurice Moton loves him some LeBron and disrespects Michael Jordan. I mean. <laughs> See, you know it is? People give this, and I, and I understand where this is coming from, a lot of fans who are younger than we are, who are yeah. in their early 20s, mm-hmm. they didn't see Michael Jordan play. Sure. It's more about the mystique. They just see the YouTube videos. They see the sneakers, and they think he was... You know, damn near perfect. Yeah. And they watch LeBron James, and we live in a social media era where everything is picked apart. Everything he does is picked apart, and the criticism just runs rampant. It, it makes it makes LeBron James look so far behind MJ as a player, and it's just not true. I watched MJ play. I've watched those championships. I'm not saying MJ isn't great, but what I'm saying is, he's not on this planet on his own if LeBron can pull through and go 6-4 and four in the finals for the rest of his career because then he'll be tied with MJ. They'll have the same amount of finals wins, but LeBron James will have 10 appearances in the finals. Yeah. Yes, he lost four of them, but you've got to give him credit for being the Eastern Conference champion and taking his team there. Again, do you want to be that guy who lost in the preliminaries in jeopardy in the crowd, or do you want to actually have a chance to win a million dollars? I think you want to at least have a chance, and LeBron James has done that with even the bad Cleveland Cavaliers teams. And again, Michael Jordan has so much help. He had, again, he had Kerr, he had a crew coach, he had Pippen, he had Rodman, he had Horace Grant for a while. I mean, he had players around him, and LeBron didn't have that at the beginning. And I think if LeBron had a good supporting cast early in his career, he wouldn't be three and four right now. He'd be, I don't know, maybe five and two, six and one. Who knows? Maybe seven and oh. But for, for LeBron haters, that's going to be blasphemy because they just don't see him that way because of all the criticism. I'm, t- I'm telling you, He's he's approaching that plane. He's not there yet because he's only won three, but he has a team that's going to definitely go back to the finals multiple times in the coming years. So, again, uh, stop paying on LeBron. He he's pretty much up there. Yeah, I mean, so you just if you if you were lucky enough to see Michael and you, you now get to see LeBron, you should know that they have completely two different games. I mean, they're 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 not very similar. LeBron's a lot more magic than he is Michael, and, 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 and to a certain extent, you can't even put LeBron in a category because there hasn't really been anyone that can dominate on both sides of the floor the way he does. I mean, just the we saw it in the finals when he went and he slapped that ball. I think it was from Curry. I think it was, what was it? It was in a game seven from, from behind, and it changed the entire 
the entire way that that game finished up. I mean, the, the guy just can literally, when he puts his mind to it, now that he's been in the league over 10 plus years, can still dominate at will. And how many players can you really say can do that? And and it's and you said it great. It's, it's uh, so many people just harp on the fact that oh well he got there but he lost. Well, Jim Kelly got to four Super Bowls. You're gonna tell me he still isn't a Hall of Famer? John Elway got to four, got to six, lost four and won two. So you're going to tell me that those four that he got to weren't important to winning the final two? And that's the thing with LeBron. He may have lost a, a bunch, but that made him w- get that much more hungry to win what he just won and to possibly win next year and the year after. So it, it, it is what it is, and it, it one thing feeds off the other. So just like Michael, if he didn't lose to Detroit, may not have won the following couple of times against you know the Lakers and, and so on and so forth. So you can't take away anything from anyone. Uh, it, it's it's a weird argument. I'm never a guy for comparing players in different eras because it is that's exactly what it was. Did the NBA move into three point line in '94 to aid Michael Jordan? That's very possible. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's Michael. He was Michael Jordan. He was the greatest player in the world and may still very well be. But at the time, there was nobody close. And if they could help him, then why, why wouldn't they? So I mean, you know. Would the NBA do that? Would they would they currently change a rule to to aid LeBron? I, I don't know. Maybe does it need to happen? Not really, because it seems like LeBron's doing pretty damn well on his own accord. So it's just it's weird. It's crazy. I love it. I love the conversation. It's um, I don't know if if you're ever gonna be able to convert the Michael Jordan lovers of the world, but maybe you don't have to because you know LeBron's doing a pretty good job on his own. Yeah, I mean, I try all the time to fight the Michael Jordan overhyped love, but it, I know it's not going to work when the person I'm arguing with is wearing his sneakers. It's just sure. not going to, you know, not yeah. going to pan out well. But it's just, I, I just caution people, I, and I think people will begin to appreciate LeBron once he retires. Once sure. we look back and the next generation that's coming up who didn't really get to see LeBron, the baby's being born, I guess, now or in the past two, three years, They'll appreciate LeBron more because they'll say, wow, this is a 6'8", 6'9", guy, 250 pounds, who played five positions on the court, defend five positions on the court, took his team to the finals for like seven, eight straight years, and and right out of the box was pretty was pretty damn good. And and he got all of this criticism. I don't know, Twitter and Snapchat and all that stuff is going to be around in 10, 12 years, but people are going to look back at YouTube, I'm sure, or some variation of it, and say this guy was a special talent. They'll look back at MJ too, of course, but they'll say, "Wow, this guy—he could pass. You know, he could score. He could defend. Chemistry, great. You know, how could you overlook that? He's got to be one of the greatest." But again, LeBron's history, LeBron's story, is still not done yet. It's still maybe five, six more years left to write more chapters in Cleveland. So we'll see how it ends up. But I'd say even if he just wins two more championships, he gets to five. You gotta put him on a pedestal. I, I, you know, it's gonna be debatable, of, of course, between him and Jordan, depending on what you look for in the greatest player. Because everyone has, it's a, you know, it's a subjective, subjective topic. You know, people have different qualifications of what's a great player, what's not. Why is this person better than the other? But you just can't put LeBron on a, like a second tier. You gotta put him on the top tier again, especially if he wins. Because again, he led, he led both teams in the finals in points, rebounds, assists, I believe, steals all the major categories and that's something that's never been done before a team coming back from down 3-1 to win the finals never been done before and you have to attribute that to lebron james greatness yeah and instead of hating you know what enjoy it enjoy what you're watching you're witnessing history again maybe that's the 
that's what to take away from this entire episode 25 you you get to witness history and that's not a bad thing at all you know instead of putting your your negative energy into lebron james and and bashing him because he's not what you think he is well appreciate what he is which is currently the greatest player in the world uh and like mo said when the day comes that we can then compare and contrast to michael jordan then we'll do so but right now no steph curry's not on that plane for one season he was but he's not so and will he get back to there who knows who knows if injuries or the fact that he has another guy that's going to share the ball with him will even allow it but it's going to be fun to watch golden state and cleveland potentially fight for another championship this coming season so i mean if you look at you know look at the odds and you look at you know the way the two teams are stacked up they they really should you know enjoy what we get to see because again it's not going to happen very many times in our lifetime you know it may happen in your kids lifetime your great grandkids but you know for right now we're getting to witness lebron james and mo and i got to witness michael jordan and you know I got Derek Jeter, you know, now there's Bryce Harper and there's, you know, there's great players and and their respective sport that only come around so long uh, once in a while. So just watch it, have a good time, spark a debate, but you know, at the end of the day, be easy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I throw shade at Tom Brady all the time, but I even, I realize Tom Brady is, is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever watched. And the Peyton Manning, of course, Tom Brady more so in the clutch in the postseason, but when you watch Tom Brady, no matter how you feel about the New England Patriots, oh, they're cheaters, blah, 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 deflated footballs, yada, yada, yada. When you watch the Patriots, you are you are glued at you are glued to Tom Brady in his arm. And, right. and he's just turned 39, and he's he's not showing any signs of decline. Turn 39, I mean, it has much to do with his diet. And his hair. But it, it, everything else, his wife, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> he's relaxed. He has yeah. nothing to worry about. Seriously. So, I mean... <laughs> When you watch him on the field, it's almost like poetry. You're watching, you're watching greatness in motion, and and he could probably win two or three more championships because again, he's not showing signs of, of deterioration in his game. And I think the Patriots are going to be in the running again, even if he is. Well, I mean, he's going to be suspended four games, but when he gets back on the field, he's going to be fiery, and the Patriots are yeah. still going to be good because that division, the Jets are the only team that could probably challenge them. But let's be honest, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the president of the na- of the 1800s, is not going to be Tom Brady when it comes to the postseason, especially with the weapons he has around him. The Patriots uh, are talking extension with Gronkowski. They got Martellus Bennett, who's flaming Jay Cutler and everyone else in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And they got Julian Edelman back. He's sleeping with everyone, but that's his business. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but now they got they got they fortify the offensive line, so the Patriots are going to be great. And I. I of all the times, I will say this one time, I have respect for Tom Brady's game. No matter how much shade I throw at him and all the jokes, I realize that just like Michael Jordan with the Bulls in the 90s, I am witnessing greatness. Absolutely. And let's hope, if you're a Jets fan, you start out the season 3-1 and because anything less will not be good enough to win that division. Unless Geno Smith comes out from the wings, uh, starts, and leads the team to the promised land. Come on, Geno Smith. Geno Smith, how about it? Which I is a... The, the, promised land, the, the promised land is a Canadian Football League playoff burst because that's <laughs> pretty much all he's going to have in his future. But anything else, Mel, before we end up episode 25 on a, uh, on a, on a positive? Uh, I, I feel like we should start the league maybe after the first preseason game or the second okay. preseason game just to avoid stupid injuries. You yeah. would hate to pick up like a Jordy Nelson and he gets hurt like the first oh, game. Not again. And he gets screwed. Yep. Yeah, that's, that wouldn't be a good look. Absolutely. So. Yeah, so if you're interested... It's mentalitymedia.com slash podcast. Drop us a line. Let us know why you want to play, why you think you'll dominate, which you won't. But let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Mike and Mo Show. Facebook, Mike and Mo Show. 
I mean, just just do it. Just do it. Let us know you want to play. We we'll, we will we will take your money and we will have a good time and we will have some laughs and we'll put you on the show. So I mean, what more can then can you ask for than that? Nothing. Hollywood Mike and Mo Money Mo Buckets. Oh, that's it's a beautiful combination. Yeah, definitely. That's those are two passwords people should come to the to the party with. Just mention those two names at the door, and we'll let you in. Absolutely. Free a couple of drinks. Yeah, Draymond. Like Draymond will be there punching punching babies, and you know it'll be a good time. I don't know. If Draymond's gonna be on Snapchat, he can't come in because yeah. I don't. I don't. You know. I don't trust I don't, him. Well, mm. Yeah, I don't trust him. Definitely not. But especially if he's on Snapchat. Yeah, he ain't putting my business in the streets. Because yeah. <laughs> we all know Mike's got a lot going on. So much business that I can't even tell you about. But that is it for episode 25 of the Mike and Mo Show. As always, it's been a pleasure. Hit us up on social media, Mike and Mo Show. We'll be active on social media. Until next week, I'm Mike. He's Mo.